Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of DN Discussions, a podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime, Ben Bumhopper. How are you doing, Ben? I am doing absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's funny, you tweeted out, I think, uh, either yesterday or on Sunday, that this is like a total D&D week for you, and it turns out it absolutely is for me, too. <gasps> so I am just super stoked. This is going to be like the most D&D that I've had in a week, probably ever. Well, uh, we, let's spoil it a little bit. What all, what all are you getting to do this week? Okay, well, if the week starts on Sunday, um, I guess that on there will be Dungeons, and then last night we played plus five to hit. Then we're doing this. And then I'm running my campaign on Saturday. And then I'm back on there will be dungeons again on Sunday. Wow. So it's a, it's just like a, just a huge swath of D and D and I am stoked. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. The, uh, at the plus five to hit, I have this tonight. I've got my campaign. Finally. Finally, after almost two months uh, on Friday night, I've got so many fun things planned that I'll tell you about later for those that care to stick around and listen. And then I've got another home game Saturday morning. Very cool. The stars aligned. This does not happen often. No, it is very rare when something like this happens. In fact, uh, my home game, uh, we were supposed to play in October, but uh, unfortunately, uh, someone ended up getting sick. So... Uh, since that's just a home game, it's not a show or anything. We're just like, okay, if, if no one can make it, we're just not going to play. So we pushed it to, to this Saturday, and I am beyond excited. Oh, it's so exciting. Um, so this week, and by the way, we hope you all enjoyed the, uh, the interview with Bo. Mm-hmm. We had a blast doing it. Can't wait to have uh, some more guests in the future. But we're going to kind of take something uh, we, we teed up from that episode and run with it a little more on our DM perspective. And we're going to talk about map building yes. this episode. And this isn't just like, um, this isn't like world building. This is map building. This is uh, creating your terrain, creating your continents, creating your, your landmarks, your oceans, uh, just the, the, the various terrain of your world. Um, so just to kind of kick it off a little bit, there's all sorts of different methods and honestly tools for mm-hmm. map building. And they can range from incredibly simplistic to digital, right? Um, one of the ones I've seen make the rounds lately, and it, it kind of comes up every now and then, super cool method. So you, you have to have a bunch of dice mm-hmm. for this method. But basically, you, you get a big flat piece of a white paper, you get a ton of different dice, and you decide what's what. So like D4s are mountains. D20s are towns or something like that. Uh, maybe, maybe a D8 is a landmark. Um, and then you take all those and you just roll them all over that big white piece of paper. And then you basically just draw around them. Mm-hmm. And the whatever you roll becomes your continents, your maps, your, uh, your landmarks and, and your terrain. And uh, like 
there's my forest of D6s. And there's, <laughs> that, there's two towns pretty close to each other with those D20s. And man, there's, a, there's some mountain ranges over there with those D4s. And it's, it's an incredibly unique way of making maps. Uh, but then you can go all the way to, okay, I'm just going to base this off of Earth. Earth has terrain. Earth has continents. That's easy. And then you just start placing your fantasy elements inside that. Or you may, you know, that's an interesting looking coffee stain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could make a D&D world out of that. And then you just, you just go from there. Or... You know, maybe you just jump into, if you're more uh, artistic, you jump into the Photoshop and you start actually creating uh, a map or for the more artistically challenged, like, like me. moi, uh, <laughs> or both of us, uh, there are really cool tools you can use like um, Incarnate or um, what, what is the one that's escaping me right now? I don't know because I only use Incarnate. No, oh, you, you use Incarnate? Oh, yeah. Uh, Wonder Draft. Wonder Draft. Ah, gotcha. Uh, Incarnate's cool because it's free. And we'll, we'll talk about those a little more in the shout out and we'll have links to these. Wonder Draft is, is a pay but has a lot of different options for terrain and, and geography and all sorts of, sorts of cool stuff. So, I mean, it can, it can range from completely free like a coffee stain to, you know, <laughs> I'm going to pay for a piece of software to help me, help me build my worlds. So Ben, how do you like to, to generate your worlds or, or the, the campaign you DM, how did you come up with that, that world map? Um, well, honestly, so I started out with Incarnates. Uh, I, I did the free version of it and then I ended up uh, jumping in and doing the subscription because of like the, the bigger map space and also all the different, um, you know, types of things you can add to it. So uh, we're not sponsored by them. I just want to make sure we throw that out there. Uh, but I love it. it. It's it's fairly cheap for like a year subscription. It's like 20, 25 bucks or something like that. And you get just a ton of different assets. Um, the biggest thing that I had a really like a, a tough time with was figuring out how big or how small the region was that I was going to be like working with. Cause originally I went with, okay, well this is this giant continent and, and I'm going to have these, these, these places that they're going to visit here and here and here. And, and, but then I'm like, no, let's scale that back. You know, I, I kind of looked at the story, what I was doing and realized this isn't a continental story yet. This is just a region. You know, they're, they're still kind of lower level and stuff and they're, you know, making their name. They haven't explored the whole world yet. So I took it and I really cut it back. So uh, I, you know, made just kind of a, a, a shape, you know, just drew it and everything on, on the screen and just kind of went with that. I'm like, okay, these are really either jagged areas or, or like super nice curves and stuff. Let's start cutting that up. Let's start just kind of making geometry in there and stuff. Um, I ended up uh, my, my first go around accidentally making some very phallic things. And I'm like, Nope, let's not do that. Uh, <laughs> then <laughs> went around and, and rejiggered stuff around and made it look a, you know, a much better and more, you know, world like, and um I mean, just the basic geography was it, it. It's hard to make it look real to the point where it's like, oh yeah, that's totally a map, and that's what a shoreline would look like. But at the same time, 
you can kind of do it, you know, it, it's just, just play around with it and, you know, don't have incredibly smooth edges or, or in super sharp edges, you know, like make little peninsulas or little islands that come out if you have water um, or else, you know, heck, if it's just one giant mass of land, um, you know, maybe think about, you know, if there's cities and stuff like this, you know, well, where do their water supplies come from? You know, give them, you know, lakes or, or mountains with runoff or something, you know, just kind of add a couple things in there. You know, um, one of the things that I really had to worry about or not worry about, but really had to think about was uh, something that I'm going to call uh, star Wars planet syndrome. So you're making a region and yeah, it can have, you know, this could be like a foresty area and everything like that. But even within that, there's going to be more terrain types than just trees. Um, the the map that I have for what I call the Sage Coast, the, the area where they're kind of venturing in, I've got mountains, I've got a plateau, I've got snowy areas, I've got a swampy area, a um, couple different types of forests with different types of trees and stuff. And, you know, just trying to give them variety in just a small place because think about where you live. At least for me, I live in Phoenix only two hours away, it's mountains and like pine trees. You know, I live in a desert, but not that far away, entirely different landscape. So, you know, be free and open to having varied terrain and very ideas and, and stuff. And, you know, try to kind of fit stuff that makes a little bit of sense. Totally agree. I mean, and it just makes it more interesting for your players too. If the scenery isn't, the exact same for 10 or 20 sessions because mm -hmm. this area is all forest, all forest all the time. Yeah. Vary it up. Maybe there's some hills, maybe there's some grassland and, or and plains, you know, maybe mm -hmm. there's a tundra or, you know, mountains uh, close by water because everyone loves water combat. <laughs> exactly. It's a little bit of sarcasm in there. Most people don't like it. No. Uh, Half speed, disadvantage on attack rolls, not that great. It's, 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 a rough, it's a rough situation. If you're ever wanting to challenge your party, throw them in the water. Because uh, <laughs> that, can, that can definitely add some handicaps to yeah, them. Especially if they don't have a really easy way to breathe. That makes it even worse. <laughs> yeah. This really interesting stuff you can do with that. Uh, I think the biggest thing, though, just as an overarching idea is try not to get overwhelmed mm -hmm. because a lot of this, especially with like making continents and, and crafting all these, these landmarks and whatnot can get very overwhelming very quickly. So I usually, uh, I usually tend to recommend to people either uh, a bottom up approach or a top down approach. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't want to go crazy when you start. Um, a lot of times I will start with a single region. All right. My party, I, I'm, I'm a DM. I'm starting a new campaign. I want to do a homebrew world. My party, I, I have an idea that my party is going to start in this town. Okay, cool. Build out that, that town a little bit and then build out the area immediately around the town. Anything that basically build out anything that the party could get to within a session or two of, of travel or whatever. And then 
as the party actually moves around, then you can slowly begin to build out the world from that starting position, especially if we're talking level one here, because the party's not going to have ways to travel quickly. Unless you give it to them. So Unless don't. you give it to them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as we've talked about on, uh, on other episodes, there's, there's all sorts of fun travel encounters you can do and things that you can fill that travel space with to make it interesting while at the same time allowing you the time you need between sessions to f- continue to fill areas out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There's also, oh, did you have, did you have oh, some more? I, I just have a, uh, an entirely different way of building stuff, but no, keep going. You're, you're on a good roll here. Um, so kind of opposite of that is the, the top-down approach where you go, all right, here's the world. <laughs> this is, here's my continents. Here's, here's my oceans. And you do everything very generically in this large, you know, globe, essentially. And then you start drilling down, okay, continent, continent, okay, this continent, mountain range, river, uh, lakes over here, um, tundra up, up top, this one, uh, volcano down there near the desert. There's going to be some desert area here. And then you start slowly populating those and then you just drill down 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 until you actually have filled out a lot of detail and sometimes some people think some people for some people that's much easier to Mm -hmm. visualize than starting from this tiny thing and trying to work outward Um, i think i'm i'm very much when i make my maps a a top down sort of person. When I made my original continent for my game, I started with this big layout and then I kind of filled it in as I went along. It's like, ah, oh, I want some desert. So desert down here. Uh, I know the, the capital city is this huge place. Okay. I'm going to put a mountain up there because the, the dwarf district of the city is partially built into the mountain. So the city's kind of built around it and there's a lake on this side. And then there's, a lot of forest over here and up in the north there's there's this uh the peaks of frigid doom that sounds like a really nice nothing, vacation spot nothing bad could ever happen there oh no that's <laughs> yeah that's so that's i think i tend more to the the top-down approach yeah so this is the first time dming that i've actually had like a a long based campaign um you know, it's been going on over a year, longest I've ever done. Before that, it was, uh, you know, a few sessions here and there and everything. Didn't really need to think of, you know, much of a world map or, or even a region map or anything like that. It just, you know, did theater of the mind. Hey, it's, you know, a place is far away. You travel for a while. You're there, you know, stuff like that. Um, this is the first time that I've ever done this. And so, like I said, I started with my, my, my small little region and everything like that. And then I'm, I'm kind of using... I don't know the best way to do it, like a middle in way. We're just going to call it that. Um, so I, <laughs> the mysterious I, third way kind of, yeah. Um, so I went ahead, I made, I, I, I made my continent. I, you know, kind of drew it out and everything. I, I like it. I've got, you know, inlets here. I've got like really cool islandy things as well as, you know, giant, huge, you know, tracts of land. And 
I went ahead and I just started coloring it different colors just to show like, okay, well, these are going to be the regions or, or, you know, whether they're nations or something, I don't know yet, you know, we'll see what happens. And then what I'm doing is, is like, I'll take that chunk and then create it in a small region, just have fun with that and then start, you know, marking it and changing the, the continental map at the same, like once I'm done with that. And it's something that I've actually really enjoyed because uh, you know, I, I, so I made the Sage Coast and I made sure I knew where it was on the map and everything. And then once I kind of had an idea of, the, okay, this is exactly how the Sage Coast is, I went in and on, in Incarnate, I went in and, you know, added all the mountains and like little details and put a dot in for the, for the cities and stuff like that. And so it's like, it, it looks like it's just a pulled back version of the, the, the smaller region map I made. I absolutely love it. I'm like, this is great. I need to finish the rest of this at some point because it's cool. So yeah, I'm doing a middle out maybe. I, again, I, I don't know which way you want to do this because going both ways. I mean, I think you make a good point. You don't necessarily have to fill in everything. Mm-hmm. Especially oh, if, you're, if your players do not have any method of quick transportation. Mm-hmm. Once your players get teleport. All bets have are, everything done. <laughs> all bets are off. But until then, if you need if you need a region to be something for a particular situation, do it on the fly. Mm-hmm. They don't know. And then <laughs> then the next piece of this world building, keep good notes. <laughs> yes, that's important. Extremely important. So personally for me, uh I, I built out my original map in Incarnate and kind of labeled stuff a little bit. And then I, I went back in uh, later and made like a higher res or a more detailed version. But one of the, the things that I have personally, I know I've mentioned this a few times, is I have a Google Drive folder that has all my DM stuff in it. And so one of the folders inside my DM folder is called... Uh, maps and location information. So basically you go into the folder and then you have the world. So you go into the world folder and then inside that I have a folder for each continent. And then inside those continent folders, I basically have a list of all the pertinent information. So here's the city of Elathar. Here is the peaks of the frigid doom. Here is the forest of, you know, whatever, Here's the uh, uh, Shinar volcano and just all sorts of, uh, of stuff like that. Because then if you, when your characters enter that region, all you have to do is jump to your continent, pull up the dock for that. Boom, you got all your information. You can make notes about uh, interesting landmarks, uh, the, the climate, um, the just general descriptions of what players might see while they're there. And that can really help you uh, on the fly or when a a thing starts to refresh your memory about what the location is. And then you can just kind of build those up as you go. Exactly. Um, One other thing too, that actually I've, I have used this so far in my map and I absolutely love it is um, before I actually started building this map and everything, I asked my players for backstories and because of that, like kind of have you're having them input stuff into the world, it makes your job a ton easier. Uh, I have a a a 
can't think of it. Goliath. I couldn't think of the word Goliath. I have a Goliath bard who she's traveled a whole lot. And I have some descriptions of, you know, like areas and stuff that she's, you know, familiar with. And I can build that in to the journey that she's traveled to get to wherever our starting point was. Um, I have a really cool backstory from my cleric who he's, he's part of nobility. And so he gave me, you know, the, 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 the capital of this, of you know, this country state and everything like that. I'm like, great. This is perfect. I have names for places, which coming up with names is surprisingly one of the hardest things to do. Um, so I just said, so true. great. I've got this country. I've got the city state. And uh, he talked about um, this, you know, smaller town on a border and stuff. I mean, great. I threw that in there. And so because of that, the country of Erland is in the map. I've, I've made the general layout. I haven't done a deep delve into it because uh, that, that story point is coming, but it's, you know, they're not there yet. So I don't need to have the, the, the full map figured out, but because he's, um, I don't remember he's full Elven or half Elven. I think he's half Elven um, because of that. You know, I, I'm able to litter cultures into this map, you know, having an idea of, of where certain cultures are, where they might mix and, and everything. And it, it's made my job that much easier. And uh, on the subject of names, fantasynamegenerator.com is amazing too. Oh, totally agree. I've used it so many times. Uh, but I, I, I totally agree. This, it's the idea of shared world building mm-hmm. where the burden is not fully on you, but you actually either use what players give you or request of players more information about the world. And in a lot of ways, this is actually a really fun thing to do because not only does it take a little bit of the, the burden off of you, it gets your players more invested in the world because essentially they made that place. Mm-hmm. Even though they're, they're not going to control every aspect of it, they made that place. So like when, uh, when my buddy who was uh, going to play Dragonborn joined my campaign, there wasn't really a good spot for his character on the current continent, like what, mm-hmm. where he would have come from. So we just sat down for an hour and we talked about it and an entire second continent, which doesn't even have a map or anything was born with a capital city of the dragonborn. And then this whole political uh, system from it and this whole like what is going on over there and the stuff he did and why he came over to this other continent. And so all that, I, and then all of a sudden, I've got my documents. I've got this whole thing, even though it doesn't quote unquote exist yet in map form, he helped me create this entire new place that I can now use and is currently being used in a large plot of the campaign. So that's really cool. Uh, my, my, uh, my other buddy has a monk fighter, multi-class character. <laughs> oh, that's a deadly, comedy. very strong, very strong. Um, but in his backstory, he talked about this, this monastery in the woods next to this village and whatnot. And so, okay, cool. That's great. As soon as, as soon as I saw that, I was like, I know a village that I've already got on the map and I know some woods near it. Boom. The monastery is right there. And then all of a sudden that becomes canon. That's in the world that exists. And that's something that I didn't make at all. But 
it was just a shared world building thing. And now if the players went to that spot on the map, they would find a monastery. That's awesome. Really, really cool stuff. Yeah. One other thing too, that I want to uh, pop out there. Um, and, and this just came to me too. And it, I'm, well, can't say too much about this, but you can also take this information as well and run with it and go with it however you please. Because if you think about it, these are far off places. Your character, like a player character who might be from there hasn't been there since you've been playing this campaign. So what they know about it could be entirely different. Like um, you were saying like how there's a, you know, a, a big, huge political thing going on in that area. What if by the time they get, the, they get back there, the entire power sh- struggle and shift has changed completely. You know, this, idealistic incredible place that they lived that they grew up in or something they get back there and all of a sudden oh the it, it, you have a sheriff of nottingham situation where you know the the rightful heir or ruler isn't there and you know you have magistrates who've taken over and are taxing the city too much or something i mean there could be something there that gives you a story hook to kind of go and and you know if your player has a connection to this place they're going to probably want to fight for that 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 homeland back, you know, get, get it back to where it was, be the hero and, and save everybody. And you can take anything that your players give you and, you know, add time to it and turn it into something that will just become even more impressive or more just interesting uh, for them when they see it again. Yep. Totally agree. It's, it's all about getting, invested in the world and getting your players invested in the world. And the more you have that kind of back and forth shared storytelling, shared world building, the the more your players will get involved in the world and know that in a lot of ways, uh, if you're open to it, just it, it really shows flexibility on your part as a DM and, there, there are there are some people who like to to control every aspect. You know that that's fine. That is that's definitely a method you can do it. But I I really do enjoy this this shared building of things with the players. And then and we talked about this a little bit. It's the the idea of saying uh, being able to just say sure that sounds awesome to your players mm-hmm. um, or that sounds really cool. Let me take that idea and modify it to fit this setting. Exactly. Something like that. Yeah. Like kind of the same way that when we talked about, you know, uh, character backstories and everything and, and uh, just fitting that into your story somehow, or, you know, any other thing that the players give you, just use it. It's, it's free stuff that you get to play with. And, you know, the the players, they're going to enjoy it that much more because, Hey, they helped out. Yep. And anything that takes work out of you being a DM is, <laughs> is a good thing because unlike being a player, being a DM is, is very hard. It's, there's a lot more pressure. Like it is much easier for me to play in several games mm-hmm. than if I like, I, I can't even imagine DMing several games, just the amount of work yeah. and the amount of things I would have to keep in my head. So they, Love on your DMs. Like, honestly, uh, tell them you appreciate them 
because it means the world to them. Yeah, the really only does. way I could think of even coming close to running multiple games would be if I'm running the same module for each game. That's yeah. Or I had lots and lots of time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I oh man, I'd have to do like entirely different settings. Like I don't think I could run like multiple fantasy games at the same time. You know, yeah, it's like, okay, here's a sci-fi sense. one. Here's a fantasy one. Here's, you know, the weird West, something like that. Uh, and freebie one, one great tip. If you do find yourself running multiple games, or if you are interested in running multiple games, that's uh, this world building can really come into play a lot because you're building this homebrew. And we talked a lot about homebrew last week. You're, you're building this homebrew setting. You're building this, this really cool world. There's nothing saying that you can't have multiple groups running in the same world, possibly even at the same time, possibly having the events affect each game that one (laughs) player might do. There's, I, I've I've been thinking about this lately. And <laughs> if I had time, it'd be super fun because you know I'm start I start this one group one one place, but then let's say I have time and I DM for this other group. I start them, you know, other side of the place, but yeah, other side of the continent, way over there. But inevitably, if both of those groups continue and go, they will start affecting events <laughs> that may have repercussions to the other group that's playing oh man one party completely looted out and finished this mage tower dungeon then the other group gets there nothing yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it, it really interesting or you know you can make the job easier on yourself and you have a lot of content that you can reuse mm-hmm. between the two groups or in a lot of ways you're just fleshing out the world that is of benefit to both your groups so that, that is definitely one thing you can do if you DM multiple things. If you set, there's, no, there's nothing saying you can't set your games in the same world and maybe even at the same time period. True. So just, a, just an interesting thought. That's a challenge I don't want to do yet, but maybe in the future. I would love to do that at some point if I, if I had the time. I think it would be, I think it'd be fun. That'd be pretty uh, awesome. Any, any last world building tips, Ben, before we move on? Um, just basically, you know, when, when you're, you know, making your map and making your world and everything, just tailor it to what you need. Just, you know, make sure that you're able to drop in stuff as, as you see fit. Um, if there's a a story arc that you want, make sure that, you know, you have either, you know, sprinkle it with a a little bit of, uh, you know, breadcrumbs here and there, or just, uh, if, if it, there's a map that you are planning on just actually, you know, just straight up giving your, your party and everything make it look kind of interesting and don't even tell them what everything is. Yeah. I think that's one of the most interesting things you can do is that it was, it was super fun when my party went to a store and one of them was like, is there a map? And I was like, they do have a map. And I took (laughs) out a printed copy of the map I made and handed it to them. No labels or anything. It was Mm -hmm. just, just the map. And then it was fun just to watch them like start pouring over and just like, what is this? What is this? What is this? What is this? <laughs> it's definitely a, a super fun thing you can do. And, and like we were talking about 
software like Incarnate or WonderDraft, and there, there's and those aren't the only two. There's several different pieces of software you can use to make maps mm-hmm. can make it very uh, within reach of us artistically challenged people and allow you to make very cool looking things without having to have a lot of previous experience. Exactly. Definitely check those type of things out. Um, in fact, something, uh, just a tip that I saw on the uh, incarnate uh, Twitter feed. Uh, so you, you have your map that you've made, save it, upload it to incarnate as one of the brush tools and then just paint the entire, you have to hold down the mouse the entire time, but paint the entire map with that map, like map color, if you will. And it makes it look like parchment. Just fun little That's thing. Pretty cool. That's what I've heard. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 You can, you can do all sorts of fun stuff with that. Well, let us know, uh, your world building, your world building, map building tips. Uh, send us pictures of, Definitely. of maps you made. We would love to see that. We'd love to retweet those on our on our Twitter feed. It's always really interesting seeing the maps of other people's worlds. And potentially, uh, me and Ben will post pictures of our maps. Yeah, definitely. If you send me yours, I can get it on the website when we uh, publish the episode. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll look into that as well. So second topic from our player perspective, we're going to talk just a little bit about what the heck is unearthed arcana and errata. Like you may not have even heard of those terms or you may have heard of those terms and what, what is this craziness? So we're, we're going to, we're going to kind of talk over it a little bit and uh, just give some base definitions just so you can, if anybody another D&D player or something says one of those terms, you can be like, oh, okay. I know what that is. I listen to DM discussions. I have a really fun story. Do you? So one of my players was uh, like, hey, I think I might, you know, mix it up for this level, you know, maybe change, do something different and everything. Um, I was thinking about maybe taking a level in this. Uh, here's the idea of, of what it is, but it's a UA. And I'm like, what's a UA? And I'm just, and this wasn't very, this is like a month and a half ago before the, the last play session that was canceled. So I'm just like, is that like unauthorized? Like I'm just kind of sitting here trying to figure it out and everything. <laughs> is that an unauthorized class? Yeah. And, and it's funny because he's like, yeah, it's, it's this, uh, this origin. And then, so I, I jumped into the, the source material stuff on D and D beyond. I, I went to the sources, not the actual, like, if I just went to sorcerer as opposed to going to the player's handbook and look for stuff, but I found it. And uh, that's, that's the biggest thing is I found out that UA is unearth arcana and it's some cool stuff. I mean, you're probably a lot more familiar with it than I am because I, I haven't dug into it too much, but like what exactly is an unearthed arcana, you know, aspect or, or thing that you can find. So Unearthed Arcana is something that Wizards of the Coast, who are the creators of, of D&D, um, or they, they're creating the current iteration of D&D, mm-hmm. and they have for, for several editions. Um, it's something that they put out that is playtest material. And so they will usually, and it's, it's all released for free, 
one of the designers will go on their website and, and they'll go on their Twitter feeds and post the new version of Unearthed Arcana. And it's usually, hey, this is, uh, here's some new spells or here's some new subclasses or potentially here's a new class. Mm-hmm. Here's uh, some new backgrounds. Here's some new mechanics. And they're all play test material that people can take put in their games, put in their one shots, you know, whatever you want and test them out and then eventually provide feedback to Wizards of the Coast. And sometimes these unearthed arcana things will come out and then nothing will ever come of them. They, they didn't get good feedback. Uh, it wasn't balanced very well. It wasn't very fun, whatever. But a lot of times uh, it or a version of it will end up in a new published source book at some point down the line and that's kind of how they they test some of these things so Mm -hmm. like recently the um the artificer class has it's like name 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 (laughs) always trying to do it on the spot uh the artificer class was an unearthed arcana for quite some time and Mm -hmm. it was a it's a uh the the first kind of brand fully brand new 5e class it deals with a lot of like magical tinkering in a lot of ways uh magical items magical objects um and companions Mm -hmm. really really interesting class it came out quite a while ago and then kind of went silent for a while and then they came out with a new unearthed arcana version of it that was revamped and, and redone. And then finally here, actually in just a few weeks when the brand new Eberron source book comes out, it is becoming completely official and it will have the finalized official version of the artificer and all of its subclasses mm-hmm. inside the source book. And it will no longer be under unearthed arcana. Yeah, if you um, listen to the first campaign of Critical Role, uh, Tarion was an artificer. And at, at the time, it was insanely broken, like very much so. But that, that's one of the things is that it was a play test. They were going through trying to see, you know, the strengths and weaknesses. It's, you know, the uh, Wizards of the Coast uses it for balancing uh, to get as much feedback as possible. And as you can see, it was a class that in some instances could be way overpowered in other instances, super underpowered and like finding that right balance is exactly what these sorts of things are for. Exactly. And um, one of the really cool things, and I know we, we talked about D and D beyond a lot and for good reason, it's super cool. Yes. Um, (laughs) Also not sponsored by them, but we will, we would be if they offered. Oh, if we could. Oh yeah. <laughs> because we, we use them extensively. And one of the really cool things about the site is that they actually integrate unearthed arcana into the site so that whenever new unearthed arcana is released, mm-hmm. usually after a few days, they will integrate those into the site in a special unearthed arcana or slash play test thing where you can go and create a character uh, and choose those new options that are available. Will they stay around? Well, not necessarily. If Wizards decides to pull them or decides to to scrap whatever the idea was or something, then 
it will also go away uh, on the site. But it is mm-hmm. a very cool way of easily being able to jump in, make a character with it, um, and play around with all the new options. So definitely, if you're if you're a big D and D Beyond user, definitely keep that in mind, and you can check out the uh, the sources when you make a character. There's usually several little check boxes of what content is allowable mm-hmm. for use on those characters. And Unearth Arcana, I believe, is one of those little check boxes that you can do to see the, the playtest material. Exactly. And if you are going through and you find something that you really like or really want to try out, um, first and foremost, double check with your DM. Uh, that That's like the, the, the first and foremost thing you should always be doing when you're making you know some sort of not-by-the-rules thing. Even though this is on D and D Beyond, even though it's it's by Wizards of the Coast, it's not necessarily official yet. So I, I know that you can't use uh, Unearth Arcana stuff in like Adventurers League and, and things like that because, again, they haven't fine tuned the balance on everything. So having a player who says, "Hey, I want to try this," uh, and me just kind of looking at it and and going, "Yeah, it kind of fits with what what you would be doing and stuff." Sure, we can try it, um, but I, I made sure I had the talk with them to let them know that if it is just insanely overpowered or something like that, you know, it, it's going to be a constant flux. It's going to be a discussion if you know all of a sudden they walk into a room and everything's dead on the first hit. You know, it's like eh, probably not that it's going to be tuned that poorly, but. You know, I'm going to take away your kill everything stuff. Exactly. But it is something that is going to be in flux. Um, stats could change between sessions based off of, you know, results from play testing. Uh, but even more so it, since it is like, it, it's not exactly homebrew, but could kind of be treated that way where balancing might need to take place uh, as you're going through it and playing the game. So again, I, I can't stress this enough. It's going to be DM discretion on if this is something you can use. But I mean, honestly, I think that if a DM's really looking for, you know, something fun, sure. Try it out. See, see what can happen. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of really interesting stuff. And especially in the last few months, wizards has been releasing a lot mm-hmm. of unearthed arcana. They've actually released a new subclass for, all, pretty much every single class in 5e um, and some of them are extremely interesting there is uh, like this undying rogue one there's a circle of flame druid that has a really interesting companion element to it there's the rune knight which just sounds like one of the coolest mm-hmm. things ever uh, as a fighter subclass um, all sorts of really, really interesting stuff. So we'll have the link to where they, where wizards posts all the unearthed arcana. If you want to go and check that out um, when we post the show notes, but Ben, you talked about balance changes. Yes. And so that is the, the second piece of this whole unearthed arcana thing. And it's called errata. And essentially what this is, is a list of corrections to publish content. So let's say uh, Wizards Wizards put out the player's handbook, right? Um, and people have been playing it for, you know, a year or two. And in that time, Wizards has noticed that 
oh, there's little tweaks we need to make here or there. This, this wasn't quite balanced, so we, we want to tune that a little bit. Or uh, the wording on the spell is a little confusing, so we, we need to change that around. That's where errata comes in. So basically, you can go and go to Wizards site and you can find errata for whatever your particular source book is. You can download a PDF and basically it's just a list of here are the official changes to say the player's handbook that are balance might be a little bit of balance might be some clarifying wording might be some spelling corrections, whatever. And then eventually later versions of the book that are published will have those included yeah these are essentially yeah these are essentially the patch notes Mm -hmm, exactly we're we're patching we're patching a tabletop game Mm -hmm. which is which has always always been kind of funny to me yeah no totally works and like just looking at some of these things uh from the what was the date on this one uh november 15th of 2018 because they haven't had a huge update in quite a while but for different things like uh, under spells for acid splash uh, one creature is now one creature you can see i mean it's just you know little tweaks here and there that make things uh you know a little bit more uh, not exactly interesting but you know more balanced or at least just dis- more descriptive so that there aren't yeah, more clarifying questions exactly yeah. exactly um like under adventuring climbing swimming and crawling i mean there's different things that, that talks about you know movement speed and stuff like that different things for combat they've got uh like for rogue here spell slots for in you know arcane trickster uh your spells is now your wizard spells you know it's little changes and things here and there as well as uh anything that they think needs to be fixed yeah there is also another really cool thing uh from wizards called sage advice um, and what that is, is usually it's a, it's a big collection of say people sending in questions about specific spells, about specific abilities, uh, or whatever the case may be. And the actual D and D designers answering and clarifying those questions, mm-hmm. it might not necessarily be, uh, errata level of, I need to go in and reword something, but more, it's just a, oh, you are reading it wrong or you're misunderstanding or yes, that is the correct usage of certain certain spells or certain abilities. And uh, there's a big long list. You can actually search the Sage Advice column and like, man, I have a question about uh, casting, a, uh, using a, an action to cast a spell and casting a bonus spell cantrip or or whatever this is this is confusing mm-hmm. go and ask you can go search and check oh okay that's how this works um so that's that's called sage advice and like we said this the this week's show notes will have a lot of different links but you can always go check those out uh at dandiscussions.com mm-hmm. exactly all right oh man i gotta say i'm excited to uh have a player with some of this on our unearth arcana stuff I am going to be starting a game fairly soon where I will be playing the Rune Knight. I am very much looking forward to hearing how that goes. It's, it just, like, I was originally going to do an Eldritch Knight. And 
I read the the UA for it, and it just sounded so interesting from a concept perspective. The the concept of putting these magical runes onto armor or weapons that cause them to do different things. Like all the runes have a passive ability and an active ability that you can activate a certain amount of times per day. Just super super interesting class design. So mm-hmm. it's like I have I must have this. Very cool. Very, very cool. I'd go more into, well, you know, but then again, by the time that, uh, that this episode goes up, we'll, I don't know if the rest of the party is going to fully know what happened or not. Uh, <laughs> trying to figure out. the Yeah. Time. Well, uh, all I'm well, going to say you know, is that uh, there's some really cool stuff in Sorceress Origins. That's all I'm going to yep. say. <laughs> well um we we've, we've kind of talked a little bit about community content throughout throughout mm-hmm. the episode like, like i said we'll have links to incarnate wonder draft sage advised unearth arcana uh errata documents that'll all be on show notes it'll be on the website dndiscussions.com highly recommend you go check those out um but before we get out of here ben we actually have played D anD D, or we're about to play D anD D, because we, uh, as we know, this is a good week. So, what are you doing in your game? Oh man. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm I'm just incredibly honored to be back as a guest on There Will Be Dungeons. Um, in, in fact, it's okay. So I originally made a a no monk because I thought that'd be fun to play and everything, and you know, just as a guest shot way back on like episode eight and nine or something like that. And then because of that, I'm like, oh, monks are awesome. That's cool. At some point, I'm going to play one again. So fast forward to when I guessed it on plus five to hit as the sorcerer. Um, I'm like, okay, cool. This is a fun character. And I wasn't ever planning on playing it for forever because I I don't like being the arrogant elf for forever. <laughs> so it just, I thought it'd be kind of cool. So then when uh, you guys asked me to, to join uh, with you know Orion leaving for a while, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna need some sort of martial character because you guys are essentially spellcasters. Uh, you know, some sort of tank, some sort of DPS. I'm like, I had so much fun playing as a monk. I, I might as well play one in a campaign where I actually get to play all the time. So, I you know that's one of the reasons why I made Shizu, and I you know went entirely different uh, specialty and everything like that. And I gotta say, I. I'm still having so much fun with that character because like mechanically it's a ton of fun to play and role-playing wise, ton of fun to play as well. Um, in, in case you have no idea what we're talking about, uh, Ryan and I are both on a, a, uh, consistent campaign. What do they call it? A, yeah, a, a, uh, persistent campaign. There we go. Pers- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> consistent, persistent, whatever. Same thing. Um, they called plus five to hit. Definitely check it out. We have a lot of fun on that. Um, but anyway, so so going on Sunday playing, you know, one type of monk, then jumping right into our game, playing a different type, just seeing the differences between, you know, their their the, the specs and the way you can path them and stuff, just really opened up my eyes. Again, I know we talked about it before, but how you can have so many of the same type of character like in your party, but they are played and and done so differently that it's I it really made me appreciate that a whole bunch. Uh and I know that's not really much about the gameplay and stuff, but still, it's just, it's really cool. And monks are awesome. Everybody needs to play a monk. 
monks are awesome. They're they're definitely on my my list of of characters to play. And I'm really looking forward to to the next time we record an episode to see how your game uh coming up goes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It they're they're taking their first steps into the next chapter and I'm super excited. I've done like I, I still need to, to fully write it down, but I basically come up with the whole concept of how the world came into being and some of the God structures and stuff. And it's like actually starting to play into the story and they don't know any of this yet. So it's exciting for me because I'm like, ah, <laughs> so oh, that, that sounds so fun. And it, it's, it's funny because that it kind of echoes a little bit. Like I, I'm doing prep mine right mm-hmm. uh that's coming up this friday and i actually made a google doc this week called current and custom deities <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm actually gonna do like basically a, an excel sheet with like the the good or lawful or whatever ones you know, kind of in the top more neutral ones and then ones below like i have this whole idea of a hierarchy of how like why certain gods are where they are, what's going on with it. And like the current state of their relationships and stuff. And I'm just excited to, to bump up my players into not exactly, you know, hopping planes level type of campaign. Cause we're definitely still not there, but like adding more of like, it's basically broadening the world more and broadening like their, 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 the scope. It, it's something that, I've never done before in a campaign because I've never been able to. So they're, they're level seven. They're, they're starting to, to dig into the, you know, the, this big storyline that I've had growing for the past year that they have no idea what's going on. And it's, I'm really excited for this. That's, that's super, super exciting. Yeah. This, uh, this week I've been, I've been starting to do a lot of prep and it's, it's interesting because I've got, a new player joining this week and I've got an old player that if everything works out, will be coming back. That's great. I'm trying to actually situ- situate it as a surprise to the party because he will be <laughs> involved in something they're about to get involved in. So it'll be a great hook to get him back in and it'll great be a great hook to get them into, uh, into what's going on mm-hmm. with with this uh, this situation, and so I've got this whole really interesting. Is I've talked about uh, the curse bow before and the ranger yep. that's in my party, and he was of course sick last time we played, <laughs> and so this whole big thing I had going uh, didn't get to happen. But it's we're gonna do a, like a little mini time time hop back take care of a few things with him because he was mm-hmm. quote unquote stuck in the inn while everybody was out doing their their own thing and you know making obelixes and keepers and <laughs> all, all sorts of stuff like that so i'm yeah. gonna start with him with this whole dream sequence because he ended up taking a level of warlock on top of his ranger thing to go Which... with the new patron of his bow uh, uh this of uh, essentially this this fiendish entity that's trapped in the bow is going to become his patron uh none of the other party knows he took a level of warlock so it'll be really cool to kind of unravel that and i've been talking with him on the side and 
it'll it'll be super fun and then uh, my other buddy is coming in with this this monk fighter hybrid character that should be really interesting and i've i'm making some hooks to to get him involved with with the current storyline and uh there's all sorts of in the background political tensions brewing with uh it's it's very much like um uh the the capital of of the dragonborn over on the other continent is under chromatic rule Ooh. on the on the, this current continent in the the big city the the dragonborn district is far more populated with metallic and so mm-hmm. there's there's tensions there where one side is just like you know metallics are weak chromatics are strong type thing. And so there's been some, some terrorism in the city by, by this other faction. And just, so they're, they're going to investigate all these pieces and start to figure out this whole plot. That's kind of circling in the background to destabilize the city. So it should be fingers crossed. It should be tons of fun. That is cool. I am really excited. excited. Um, when I might've mentioned this last time, I'm not sure, but, um, kudos to your player for you know being brave enough to to multi class into something that that totally just fits with their story. I mean, I think that's awesome. Like the fact that story wise, yeah, they're 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 choosing things that make sense and fit with the character. And like, I love that level of RP. And it. it's like this might not necessarily be the way that you personally want to go, but it fits with the story and I'm totally invested into that and, and playing through it and stuff. Like yeah. I, I'm excited for that. I think that's pretty cool. I love it when people choose story over optimal build. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Who knows? Maybe Ranger Warlock will turn out to be super <laughs> awesome. I don't know. And it, but it's something I, it's something I talked with him about when, after he had the, the experience, I was like, okay, I'm not going to force you to do anything because that would be dumb. Yeah. But now that this has happened, you have the option to multi-class into warlock if you want to. And he's just like, okay, I'll think about it. And he came back and he was just like, yeah, that's actually really cool. I want to kind of keep it a secret <laughs> and just kind of have it, have it happen. And it just, fits the story and so i like you said i love to see when players get into their character enough that they will choose story over optimization Mm -hmm. makes me super happy very cool well i look forward to hearing what happens uh next episode is going to be great (laughs) yep we're gonna get we're gonna get some real cool uh happenings from from both the games it's it's nice that the, they're both finally happening yes I'm, I'm very i'm very excited for us <laughs> me too it's like yeah we we get to play plus five to hit which is fun but running our own campaign is like it's an entirely different level of just excitement you know just something so different yeah it's the if you haven't dm before don't be afraid you just try out a one shot grab a few mm-hmm. friends Come up with a little story, try it out, see how you like it. It's it's really a completely different feeling of fun than when you play as a character. Yep. It it can also become a little addicting, just to warn you. Yep. 
I mean, and that's and then you'll want to run multiple <laughs> campaigns, even though you don't have the time. <laughs> like, I don't know about you, but I come up with some of my best ideas in the shower. Just getting ready oh, yeah. in the morning. And I'm like, oh, but I could do this. And oh, yeah. I, oh, this my, is my commute home and to work is definitely my uh, <laughs> my idea making time. Sometimes I'll just just completely go, crap. Oh my gosh, all these good ideas. I need to write them down, but I'm driving a car. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> and that's what Google Google voice to voice to note uh transcription is for. Exactly. Just give yourself little <laughs> blurbs and it's uh it's fun. And it's and the way I like to the way I like to prepare, I sometimes sometimes I probably should prepare more than I do. But I love improving things on the spot too. And so I, I tend to come up with just like general ideas. Like there's a few encounters I might throw in here or there. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I have an idea of how they're going to investigate this whole thing, but I don't want to write all the specifics down. Exactly. And, so, and it, it it's usually turns out pretty well. Yeah, plus, like we talked about before, players will always throw you curveballs. Exactly. In fact, some of the best ideas come from them when they say, hey, I'd like to look for this. You're like, oh, that's a cool idea. Okay, let's have them find it. See where this goes. Would you now? Hmm. <laughs> that was better than my idea I was thinking about. I can't believe let's you. Let's go that direction. I can't believe you went that way and thought of and, and figured out my master plan so fast. uh it'll it'll be good it'll be a lot of fun definitely um well that wraps up the show uh for this episode thank you everyone so much for listening but before we go ben why don't you tell everybody where they can find us oh definitely um if you have maps or you know just different ideas on map making or if there's any sort of unearthed arcana that you personally have played that you want to share your experience with you can always email us send that to dndiscussions at gmail.com of course another way to contact us and you'll get a much faster response is actually to tweet at us it is at DN Discussions. You can find us there. Uh, we respond as much as we possibly can. You know, sometimes life gets in the way, but we still jump in when we can to, to, to just say hi and you know keep that communication going. And of course, every episode is on dndiscussions.com as well as on like iTunes, uh, Google Play, pretty much everything, anywhere you can find us. I think you can at this point. Um, but uh, personally though Ryan if someone's looking to, to you know say hi to you what's the best way you can find me on Twitter at TBKZord uh, tweet at me any of your D&D or gaming discussion would love to talk to you and if you're looking for me you can find me on Twitter I'm at Ben Bumhofer that's right it's a weird name but I'm sticking with it mainly because I've had it my Probably whole life I do like right. it <laughs> But uh, until next time, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. It's been an absolute treat talking with you again, Ryan. And uh, everyone else, be good to each other. Take care.